Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. Martin Luther King Jr. The murder of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer on May 25th has sparked ongoing protests and Black Lives Matter movements across the country. Bringing up the topic of defunding the police and new ideas that we can do with the police force. Today in this podcast, I would like to share with the audience and explain and explore this topic so we can share some insight into what this means. To help me talk about the objective of defunding the police, I, Ulysses, will be speaking about the budget and money in the police department. Hi, I'm Abby. I will be speaking about getting more funding to our early childhood education programs. Hello, my name is Natalia and I will be speaking about tuition and scholarships. Hi, my name is Estefania. I will be speaking about community programs for the youth. This podcast will hopefully help you understand more about what defining the police means and gives you more perspective into what we can do with all the money that is given to the police. To first understand the reasons we believe defining the police is important, we need to first explain the budget and training that goes into the police department. I first want to bring up current major cities and their police budgeting. Major cities like LA, Chicago, Houston, and Detroit use 25% more of the federal fund expenditure on policing. These numbers can range from Detroit's $330 million to Los Angeles' $1.73 million. This shows the crazy amount of money that is going into the police department, and all this money could be going into many different things in the community. I also want to bring up the killings by the police in the U.S. compared to other countries. An article by Prison Policy shows that police, U.S. police kills more civilians at a higher rate than any other police in wealthy countries. The U.S. killings are 33 per 10 million. This number compared to Canada is staggering. Canada's is 10 per 10 million. This number should not be any more than one. I also want to talk about the police training hours. In the United States, there isn't a standard training procedure for police departments. For example, in Louisiana, officers are required to complete 360 hours of training, whereas in Massachusetts, 900 hours of training are required. In comparison, there are other wealthy countries such as Finland that require two years of minimum training. As you can see, this is completely disproportionate and inconsistent. Those are some super staggering points, Ulysses. Is there any new technology currently being implemented to help the issues you're explaining? That's a great question, Natalia. Using cameras and other alternatives for human labor have been shown to produce equal or equivalent feelings of safety in communities, which allows for less police involvement in the communities. I hope that these facts and statistics help you understand that police training needs more care and also that the budget can be reallocated into all these other options that my group members are about to speak about. Ulysses has clearly illustrated that the funding to police departments is out of balance with the needs of the community. And we all believe that there are better ways that a city can allocate the money in their budget. And if it was up to us, we would put more money into education and community-based programs. And specifically one area that I believe would benefit from more funding is our public early childhood education programs. One way that more funding would be beneficial to early childhood education programs would be implementing a free universal preschool option for all three and four-year-olds in our community. 
This would be free universal access, not based on race, religion, socioeconomic status, or any of the other qualifying factors that are currently in place for full day pre-K. But it would still be a voluntary program. Parents wouldn't be required or mandated to put their kids in the universal preschool. Parents wouldn't have to send their kids if they didn't want to, if they wanted to hold them into kindergarten. That would be their choice. But it would still open up the option for these families. And according to an article published in 2017 by the Center for Children's Initiative and the Center for Educational Equality, children with access to high quality early childhood education are more prepared for school. They're more likely to be reading and achieving on grade level. And looking down the line, they're more likely to graduate from high school and go to college. So we're seeing the effects and the success of universal pre-K and access to early childhood education throughout their entire educational career, not just their elementary school years. It's not just school skills that they're learning in preschool. Getting those kids into preschool would help them develop social skills, language skills. They would be able to learn how to build relationships because they're in an environment which requires them to do so. Currently, without a universal pre-K option, some families just don't have the means to send their kids to preschool. So why should their kids have to start from behind just because they don't have the economic means to get them in preschool? Another economic burden families are currently facing is childcare. We all know how much childcare costs in our community, around our country, and it can burden a family to try and get their kids in childcare. And if we could get them in a universal pre-K program, it would take away that economic burden and allow them to use that money towards other things their family needs. It could be health bills, it could be food on the table, but by getting them in a free universal option, it would allow them to free up that money that they currently have allocated to childcare. Those are really good points, Abby. Universal preschool would obviously help so many children in our community. How else would more funding help early childhood education? Yeah, that's a great question. There are a lot of different ways that more funding could help early childhood education programs. And another one I'd like to talk about, a little less obvious one, is getting more funding and more support for early intervention programs. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, they explain that early intervention programs can have a significant impact on a child's ability to learn new skills, and again, looking down the line, increase their successes in school and life. And early intervention programs can take on a couple different roles. They can look like speech therapy, physical therapy, or really any other service that the child needs. It's really individualized for what the child needs to be successful. Early intervention services can change a child's developmental path. It's so important to get kids the help they need as soon as possible. And another way that more funding could help, it's not just putting more money into these services, but also getting more bodies in the classrooms to help administer these services, making sure that classrooms have the pairs they need and the specialists they need to attend to the kids' needs and make sure that the kids are really getting the full benefit of the services that are provided to them. And both of these, the universal preschool and the early intervention support, sets kids up for success from the beginning of their educational journey. And I think it's just so important to allow these kids the best chance they can get to be successful in the long run. And that's what I wanna do with the more funding and reallocating the funding that's currently going to the police department and putting it into our early childhood education programs. And I know that education is also really important to Natalia and she wanted to take a look at how it could affect higher education. So Natalia, could you speak to your experiences on some of your higher education? Piggybacking off of your idea of reallocating the money to early childhood education, I'd like to speak about higher education. I think higher education is also an excellent choice for where to reallocate the money uh, from the police department. I first want to start off by talking about how higher education is now more important than ever before. 
College graduates with a bachelor's degree typically earn 66% more than those with only a high school diploma and are also far less likely to face unemployment. This is according to the US Department of Education. They also said that by 2020, an estimated two thirds of job openings will require post-secondary education or training. So what this means is just that more people in school and higher education will lead to more people in specialized careers and that means a better life financially. They are able to change in class and make a better future for themselves. That's a great point, Natalia. Can you tell me why is holding students back from attending a post-secondary school? Yeah, of course. So college has never been more expensive. Over the past three decades, tuition at public four-year colleges have more than doubled, even after adjusting for inflation. And that was according to the U.S. Department of Education. For reference, the average total tuition, fees, room and board rates of a full-time undergraduate student in the 1985-1986 school year is equal to $5,504 using today's inflation. A student in the 2017-2018 school year would have to pay $27,357. This statistic is according to the National Center for Education Statistics. I also want to point out that the maximum Pell Grant covers only about 30% of the cost of a four-year public college education. This is the lowest proportion in history and less than half of what it covered in 1980. Despite that fact, congressional Republicans have proposed to cut the real purchasing power of Pell Grants even further. This is according to the U.S. Department of Education. I also would like to point out that low-income, first-generation, and minority students are being severely underserved by the current school system. Just 9% of students from the lowest-income quartile graduate with a bachelor's degree by age 24, compared to 77% for the top-income quartile. And while half of Americans from high-income families hold a bachelor's degree by age 25, just one in 10 people from low-income families attain that level of education. I also wanna bring up that scholarships would help these low-income students or the other categories of minority or first-generation to attend college and also any other student for that matter. More scholarships to low-income, first-generation or minority students would improve equity between students. I am not excluding students who did not fit in that category, but we all know that students who do fit that category of low-income first-generation minority have way less of a chance to attend a post-secondary school. I myself am a first-generation low-income minority student and scholarships have completely changed my life. I would not be in school today if it were not for the Pell Grant, Susan Buffett Scholarship, Nebraska Achievement Scholarship, and the Refreshing Your Potential Scholarship. And I also would like to point out that not every college student graduates within the four years of undergraduate school. Regardless of income status, high school graduates who enroll in college too often fail to finish. Barely half will complete their degree in a reasonable time at four-year institutions. And at two-year schools, it's only about a third. And another thing I'd like to point out is that even if you do have loans and you did not graduate, you still need to pay those loans. As you can see, higher education is such an important part of my life. I will always vouch for students who are part of the first generation low income and minority categories. But education is not the only area in which we can reallocate the budget for the police department. You're right, Natalia. Education is just one important part of the community, and there are still other areas that need to be reached, such as youth programs. In the article Creating Change from the Inside, Youth Development Within a Youth Community Program by Sarah Schwartz and Karen Suyamoto, 
Stay stated that youth programs are needed because youth community organizing programs influence a range of youth development outcomes, including the development of skills, knowledge, civic engagement, empowerment, and positive challenges and self-concept. This article focuses on the youth force. It is a community program specifically designed for the youth to learn how to take on responsibility and leadership skills to help address issues within the community. In result of this program, it has encouraged the youth to take action and create positive consequences, improve their self-concepts, and in school, increase their self-confidence and participations. Participants reflected on the impact of this program that had made on them and said how better they have been able to excel in school. They are taking challenging classes and getting involved in organizations. Having expectations, having higher expectations of themselves and holding themselves accountable that they would never have done before. The youth also become aware of things needed to be changed in a community. They also learn how to create relationships and build leadership skills. Youth organizing programs are beneficial to communities of color who face disparities. These kinds of programs allow for more opportunities for youth of color. They're given a chance to be at the same level, so to speak, as other privileged kids. I agree with you that these programs seem really important and a really good opportunity for the kids in our community. Do you think that the police department values these kinds of programs as well? Well, the National Institute of Justice claims in their article, New Perspectives and Policing, that some police officers do believe that youth programs make an everlasting impact on the youth because they help keep them out of trouble. When youth programs are eliminated, communities begin to see a rise in crime. This ultimately affects the overall public safety and creates concern in the community. However, the funding is not always there for the youth programs. There are other areas that receive way more funding. It is concerning that communities do not want to fund youth programs when the youth are our future. The youth can make an everlasting impact on a community. KETV Omaha reporter Michelle Bander published a couple days ago that in Omaha, Nebraska, the mayor, Gene Stothert, approved for the community service projects, which includes youth programs, to only receive $20 million when the Omaha Police Department will be receiving $141.8 million more. That is an enormous money gap between the two. It seems unreasonable that the police department needs such an extravagant amount of money when community service projects aiming to benefit the community receive not even one-fourth of that same amount. I believe that community programs create a safe space for young people. There are many young people who roam the streets and get picked up by bad influences because they have no sense of belonging anywhere else. These programs that help the youth create identities and give them a sense of belonging or purpose. By doing so, it will help the youth build skills that will help them in the future. As college students, we know that in order to succeed, we must have good networking, communication, work, and etiquette skills. It will also ensure that individuals refrain from trouble. They will be around leaders and mentors that have a good interest in them. It helps create the self-awareness of the issues in their communities so that they can get involved and advocate for changes. It gets them to realize things and say, no, not in my backyard. All right, guys. Well, this is a hot topic that we can go on talking about for days. I think it is important to remind our audience that defund the police isn't about getting rid of the police, but looking at better ways to spend the money. Consider this, the National Institute, Institute of Justice stated that from 2004 to 2008, city expenditure on law enforcement increased 44.7%, while spending on arts and culture and other neighborhood services fell 66% and spending on mass transit, transit fell 57% in the intervening four years. How beneficial is it really to have a large spending budget for the police department? 
Does it promise or prove that there has been less crimes, a greater sense of safety, help the workload of officers, provided better training, or even save more lives? Does it make sense when there are victims such as George Floyd being murdered for a $20 bill, or a child being murdered for having a toy gun, or the Douglas County purchasing a mobile command center that will take away 1.85 million of their COVID-19 relief money when that money could be used for other purposes? There are many disparities in the, in the country. By reworking the funding within the police department, we can end those inequalities and provide an equal opportunity for everyone to succeed. This country is built on the idea of equality. It is time to put it in practice. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope to have brought insightful information for you to consider.